Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Decorating Pages is a podcast dedicated to taking you behind the scenes of the designs of your favorite TV shows and films. Each episode, I'll be sharing design stories from some of Hollywood's most famous sets, interviews from set decorators, production designers, directors, and actors about creating the look of TV and film, about their design inspirations, and stories that take sets from page to screen. Hello, and welcome to Decorating Pages. I am your host, Kim Wanup. Surprise! Merry Christmas! Here's a little prezi for you. I didn't know that I was going to be able to schedule this interview, so I didn't want to say last week that this was definite, but a fantastic surprise for, well, not for me, because I was hoping and hoping to, uh, to talk to them, but the set decorator, Larry Diaz, and production designer, Paul Alderberry, for the color purple and um i really didn't know if the scheduling would work out and i didn't want to jinx it but i am so glad that i got to speak to them about this wonderful film um i love the original and i was kind of weary to watch it because you know you don't want to screw around with something you love um but this is a different take on it and it's a musical and they they dive a little deeper, you know, into other characters and different types of the story, different, you know, roads of the story. I'm told it's more true to the book, The Color Purple, which I'm going to read now because I, I don't know. I have always loved that movie. I've always felt so deeply about the performances and yeah. So if you haven't seen it, I believe it comes out yesterday, Christmas Day. So in your time off, if you're up for a little musical, The Color Purple, Wonka's good too, musical. There you go. You got two for, you could do a, you could do a double. You could do a daily double at the movies. <laughs> um, you know, been uh, working and getting Christmas done. Our show was put into a little bit of a tailspin with some sicknesses. And so it was a fun week you know, juggling a schedule around and our producers, um, you know, had to juggle more than I did. So I always feel a little bad. Um, but a lot of last minute things I can't, I don't know. Christmas on a Monday just feels weird, right? I don't know. It doesn't feel like Christmas, but, um, so this week in watching, I'm still watching, you know, like Oscar and award contenders. I watched the holdovers production designer Ryan Warren Smith and set decorator Marcus Whitman. I it's very good. It's very Alexander Payne. It's very character driven. It's a good story and it's definitely relatable to anyone who ever went to school. <laughs> like you know, kids in class and things like that and um the set I believe it was all filmed in Massachusetts and Boston and they found like a real school to obviously but I think it was all shot on location that's what I read so um that was a good Paul Giamatti so good I, I've always I always enjoy his work and I don't know who that young actor is but he's pretty good he holds his own so it's pretty good um what I cannot believe people are not talking about is the film The Iron Claw, which ugh, is so good. I mean, I wasn't really like dying to watch it or anything, but I threw it on and discovered that the, first of all, the production designer, James Price, also did Poor Things, which sidebar, I did not get back to, but I'm going to finish it. There's too many people who told me I gave up too soon. Um, and then set decorator Tim Cohen, 
But this story about the a true story about the Van Eric brothers, Van Ark, Van Eyck, um, in like the late seventies, all through the eighties and nineties is such a sad story, man. They were a professional wrestler family from the father down to six sons. And they believe that they're cursed. And you know what? I kind of think you were. A lot of bad things happen. And then I was just down a rabbit hole of what happened to these people in real life. And it was fascinating. Zac Efron is so good. I mean... I guess I, I really haven't talked to anybody else personally about this movie. I don't know if I'm losing it, but I thought Zac Efron was really good. And they're all, there's a lot of naked chests, <laughs> a lot of buff boys in this movie. Um, what is it? Jeremy Allen White, I believe, from The Bear and from, um, what's that HBO show he was from? Ugh, now I can't think of it. Anyway, he's really good, too. He's really good. And then there's like these other unknown actors. Just such a sad story. And the death of brothers and wrestling. I don't know. It was so good. I hope it gets recognized because I would vote for it if I was voting in those categories. So, so those are the two that I watched this week. Um, and then I picked up uh, the uh, the two last... The two, it was a two or three, two last uh, episodes of Only Murders in the Building, which I was watching, and then my Hulu went, it got expired, and I was like, eh, I'll give it a couple months and I'll get back to it, it'll be a nice surprise. But now Hulu is bundled in with Disney. So, twofer. So I finished that off. Very good ending. Very good um unraveling of the uh killer and then the sets are fantastic and you can listen to rich mary and everyone talk about the sets in previous episodes and the showrunner also i mean i'm i was i'm really into the show and i always think that all those dressing rooms and broadway um backstage and the people's apartments there's always fantastic wallpaper so it's a very well designed show um, and I'm glad I got to finish it. So, yeah. Uh, should we talk about this episode, your present? Do you want to open your present? I think you do. <laughs> Here we go. In this episode, I speak with set decorator Larry Diaz and production designer Paul Asterberry. They talk about the intricate process of creating the musical film version of the beloved book, The Color Purple. From selecting locations in Georgia and building sets and swamps and what a waterfall to antiquing and creating his own prop house of period dressing. We also discuss not just the color purple, but the significance of color and palette, specifically the use of color red as a symbol of Suge's passion and the impact on Seeley's perspective. This film dives deeper into some of the other minor characters, which gives the opportunity to see some of my favorite sets uh, that were in, not in the previous film, like Suge's house. Uh, the juke joint really goes through a transformation from the first time you see it till the end. Um, it's beautifully done. Uh, and period. And the costumes are great. And the performances are very powerful. So um, I hope you get a chance to check it out over while it's still in the theaters. Because I'm sure it's, it's fantastic in the theaters also. So I hope you enjoy. Likewise, thank you. Hi. Uh, how are you doing? Are you in... Are you in Toronto? Are you in Los Angeles? Where are you? No, I'm in Toronto. Larry's in, where are you, Larry? In Atlanta? I'm in Atlanta. Atlanta. Sorry, I'm in an ugly office at the moment, so not a very nice background. But anyway, that's where I am. Where's your book background? You gave the SDSA. What the hell? Yeah, that's my house. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I should have taken a picture and stuck it back there. <laughs> I did not well, listen. There's a couple of books. There's a couple of books over there. Oh, yeah, I see them. Oh. I see them. Yeah, there you go. I did not listen. I don't. I try not to listen to any 
or read anything so I don't double up. And if I double up on questions, it's just by accident, just so you know. It's like I don't, because I know, um, I mean, SDSA always does a fabulous job with uh, with interviews and everything. So, um, so nice to meet both of you. Thank you for this, for the time. Um, I'd like to say, first off, I'm just huge fan of both of your works and um, the inspiration for years is, has been there. So thank you so much for such tremendous work over the years. And um, you're an inspiration. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Thank you for saying so as well. <laughs> um, I I am a huge fan of the original Color Purple, and I I did not see the musical. So if my questions sound like a little, we didn't either. Oh, we you didn't, didn't either. At least I, didn't. I don't think Larry's fought either. So well, that's yeah, what I was. That's what I was going to ask. Do you go and do you try to see it, or do you see a tape of it, or whatever? To like, or no, you stayed away from it. No, you know, at, at the beginning, I to be. To be fair, I mean, I did watch the original movie and I read the book prior to my interview with Blitz, of course, because I mean, what else? Yeah. What else I, I just remind myself, I, of course, I'd seen the film and I hadn't read the book before, but I, I read it before my interview. But that was about six months before we actually started the production. And um, and I consciously chose not to, you know, because Blitz, had, obviously Blitz must have seen it as well, but, you know, Blitz is his own ideas. So we wanted to just keep it, start there. We, we had to refer to things from the original, we, we we could, but but we, I consciously chose not to, um, and of course there was no, as far as I could find, there was no recordings of the stage play. Oh. I mean, sorry, the stage musical. So um, I you didn't have to didn't even get a chance. I don't. I still don't know what it looked like. I heard it was very simple, like quite a very simplistic um, uh, uh, musical background. It was mostly about the actress. Right. Well, it's such a such a tremendous story. I mean, I don't know why I'm drawn to this. I, I have no, I can't really relate to it or anything, but I love that movie. I have, I've always just loved that movie. Um, I'm wondering since it's such a personal story and, and project for Oprah, did you have influence there? Was there like, hey, I definitely want this in there or? Um, I mean, well, you know, we saw Oprah in uh, early, cast read-throughs and things like that on on zoom and she obviously she came she was there a lot during the shoot but by that that point we were well we we're right. well on our way to so, our own, you know Blitz's vision um, that's great um, so it, it didn't really uh, no. i mean i did you know there were a few things i did eventually i didn't just by fluke on a plane ride from atlanta to savannah notice the color purple was on the the movie i mean on the, the tv and so I, I did watch it part way there and part way <laughs> on the way back when we were shooting at some point so i i figured it was fate that i should watch it again and then i noticed a few things just strangely that we had actually done just because we had the similar research i think some right. research photos certain certain little elements we did and then i consciously had chosen something um Suge Avery, sorry in the in, in spielberg's film when they come to harpo's house they use this barge on a on a on a cable and they has a cable barge and they they pull the symbolic piano they pull a giant piano it's kind of a nice image this big piano right. on the small bars they pull it across the pond into the or the swamp into his um uh uh juke joint or uh, what, what will become the juke joint and so i thought you know when chatting with blitz i was trying to figure out the best nice entrance for uh for sugar avery and i thought whoa well, that's a great one you know we can we, we can come across we can come out of the darkness you know across right. yeah water, to into what's like the back of the juke joint we had the big sliding doors that opened up like a proscenium arch yeah so beautiful you know, we wanted to, the movie is supposed to be in relatable small spaces for the story except for when the imagination parts come obviously but in that one i didn't want to be in a small little wooden juke joint i wanted to have that beautiful background behind her the whole time she is on stage so we it would have freaked out the visual effects guys <laughs> a little bit because there would be a lot of shots that we'd have to comp in like a background, background. once we got onto the stage set but but we were able to through Larry getting smaller lamps and, and trees. We did a forced perspective, forced. and we put reflective floor, and and Dan Lawson fogged it up and lit it in a similar way. It was a really good oh, match in the end. And then we had that beautiful background every time you're looking that way. Yeah, it's not beautiful. just this small small uh, set that it should be. It should be a small space. Larry, were you taking set dressing over on that little barge? Were you <laughs> almost? We went down the sort of uh, little pier or the footpath, right? The same one Sophia goes down when the... she first 
gets there and it's like that's literally how we did everything when Celie's character brings the curtains and carries them yeah. down that little sort of bridge pier style footpath that's the same way every single thing went in and out oh my god that's all so like that's all i could think of as a decorator of like how did they get shit you know what they did they either got it on that little barge or they walked it over. yeah we walked it down that little pier and yeah. you know when you're shooting in a set like that it's a it's a very contained kind of a tight space you know and then you put in you know the camera all the equipment the lighting the crew yeah the, and then they're like, get all this out of here so it has to walk all the way back out on that same little pier and then get broad back again for when they turn the camera around you know i walk away nobody, like nobody i fell in. Nobody i fell in you did yeah. you fell in no, nobody did. oh, oh, oh okay. so, yeah i walk away when they're when when everything's set and then they're like all right take out half the set I have to walk away. I can't. Me too. I'm like, great guys, do that, please. Yeah. yeah. Someone, I hope someone <laughs> took a million pictures because I had it perfect, and somehow it gets all back together. It's fantastic the way that works. But uh, yeah. Um, I do obviously the color purple is you know that those flowers and everything. I have two questions about color. First, did you plant those purple? flowers or was that digital like how did that work out because you're in georgia right where this where the story takes place but <laughs> no, we we had our greensman uh we you know it was quite a quite a bit of planning because the whole farm was just a derelict farm house you know that we added to we added dormers we added a second floor we added a back porch and a, and a fire you know a nice uh, brick fireplace in the back we had to create that whole vegetable garden first of all in the backyard so we, we and it was the wrong season. So we, we started growing tomato plants and things like that in a greenhouse. It was winter when we were preparing all those things. Um, and then we had to plant, obviously, all the, well, what stood in for the, um, uh, oh geez, what did he plant? Indigo, the indigo, indigo plant in his fields. We planted all those too, because it was just all overgrown, like four or five feet high, sort of long grasses when we were there. So the greensman like mowed it all down early so we could grow back and look natural, but not not oppressively tall. And we, we planted a bunch of, bushes to look like the indigo plants and we had to um we picked the nice hill with the house in the background yeah we planted about a quarter acre or something we we, we literally tilled it all to natural earth and we we bought many many bags of seeds and we picked the colors we picked we didn't want it to be all one because that doesn't seem realistic right the plants they're wild right mostly predominantly lavenders and you know purples and things like that and we planted it and we just crossed our fingers and hoped to, to heck that it would be there at the time and you know, because Georgia rains or it doesn't rain. So we had watering, they were watering it continuously for, I think we were there, we, we were planting about three months out. So it took about two months probably, believe it or not, to get them to the height they were. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, but and that was it, it was planned, with, but it was, it's supposed to look like a nice wild field of mm -hmm. flowers. What was your overall prep on this? We have Larry, we started, we started prep in November and we started shooting in, dear, April? Something I think like it was April that we started shooting. It was reasonable. It was a reasonable, it was a reasonable prep. Yeah, I mean, so what did we have? Like, I think you yeah, probably had 20 some weeks. Weeks, yeah, yeah, 20 weeks. And yeah. so you built, you built onto the house, you built the juke joint on location and on stage. Yes. Did you build the chapel? No, the chapel was a. Uh, uh, I forgot the name of it, but it was it's about a 45 minutes south of Savannah it's a, or Dorchester. It's called Dorchester um, Presbyterian, I think. And then church. I, I and it's a beautiful, 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 it's a beautiful historic um, chapel. Um, and we had to do a few things. We had to, well, we had to make it outside. There was a few things we had to pull and change and cover, but inside it was pretty good. I mean, we got rid of some benches and the lighting was converted to gas or oil anyway, wasn't it? Larry, yes. in that place. Oh. There were vintage, uh, vintage fixtures that they had retrofitted to be electrified, but they were original and they, you know, they were appropriate and they looked really good. So that was really more about a little bit more extraction than a few things we augmented just to sort of serve our, uh, our story and our, you know, uh, yeah, we brought in the hot-bellied stove. We bought the heating stove in there and things like that, and I've changed the pianos to. The, we built, we built a little riser because there was like a carpeted riser at the at the at the altar at the front, and of course the pulpit. It's such a powerful scene when they're singing together on that piano. I just wept because <laughs> I love the scene, you know, before and to see it remade and still have that emotion. I just loved it. Loved it. Yeah, that was a strong one in Steven's film, wasn't it? Yes, as well. So, yeah. Um, Larry, in 
in finding um you know these period pieces did you have did you have a lot of luck in georgia were you buying things in were you you know a, a combination of both i mean you know we utilize some of the prop houses in los angeles because you know they have things in their collections and then you know, we, I would make uh, production deals where I just, you know, put it on a truck, kept it for the run of the show. And how I tend to go about a movie, particularly a period movie like this, is to, um, I sort of create my own warehouse of sorts. So I go to antique stores, prop houses, and kind of just start collecting and amassing what I imagine we'll use you know because in, in any set like this you always have sort of stock items you know you know you're going to need beds you know you're going to need you know chests of drawers this that and the other so i just kind of start collecting it and you know kind of thinking like oh that'll be good for sophia and harpo because they're a little younger and it's a little more current a little different you know this will be good in the farmhouse it's a little more like you know maybe it's been handed down and there's a little bit of generational sort of uh you know uh uh things that have been you know passed on that you know would have been in place probably for Mr.'s father right. you know, when he inherited that farmhouse. So I kind of go about it in that way. And Georgia is, you know, it's very um, rich with antiques still here in the South. So you can, you can really, you know, collect very well. It takes some effort. You right. have to cover a lot of ground to do it. It's not like, you know, it's in one area. Sometimes, you know, Margaret or my assistant decorator or myself and or my buyers, you know, you'd go off and travel to some town that was three hours off in one direction. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, wow, it was amazing. It was yeah. treasure trove. And sometimes you just go, wah, wah, wah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, that drive there, the promise of like, I'm going to find yeah. a gold mine. And then you're like, oh, exactly. And then other times you stumble on something that you just go, well, this just is going to be like some junky nothing place. And then you go in and you find some like really amazing treasures. You know, and it's a challenge on a job like this because, you know, we're doing a period piece. Some of it can have some wear, but we're also doing like the general store, for instance, yeah. where you have to have items that yes. look like they're brand new and on the shelf. It's got to be stock, you know, so you have to find a multiples and B, they have to be in good condition. So they look like they're a brand new item on the shelf, you yeah. know, not an antique store at that point. They're supposed to look like brand new right. just manufactured. I love so that as well. I love I love the store. I love 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 suge avery's house because it's like, it was like new in the story to me i haven't read the book so that to me gets me back to the color question because there is purple in here but there's a lot of deep reds there's a wallpaper in Celie's bedroom there's suge avery's house and costumes what was that what, what happened, the, the whole point early on talking to bliss we wanted to have you know obviously relatively earthy palette for the most most of the movie but but there's some there are some color there and a lot of it comes with the costume of course we kind of was a bit more subdued in the backgrounds but the one color that we kept very carefully away from was red and that was sugar avery's color she brings life she she she's the beginning of the impetus for celie to start growing and so and we symbolically it's it's part of that was the color you know she she comes arrives that first time in a red car and she's wearing you know i think it's burgundies and you know in the yeah. red family anyway uh, that particular one and then you know there's a point where you recall she puts a bit of lipstick on on and she wipes it off after it's the first time she smiles and it's, that's the transference of the color literally it's transferring onto her and we the room that that takes place in is is actually in mistress house of course and the rest of the house is not in that color palette at all it's more like in in, in muted uh, greens and, and blues and and sort of like very neutral in a way um, but that that room, we we sort of talked, Larry and I and Blitz, and we said, well, this is kind of the shrine to Shrug, Shrug you know, Celie's not even allowed in that room, because mm. Mr. is always pining after her, and, and he keeps, he always wants her, when she shows up, she's got her own things that she's left behind to keep her happy when she's there. So that room is where we added, you know, we had some um, dust, deep rose colors and some pattern, and, and we had more color in that palette towards the red palette. And then that's where she gets the red literally on her. And then as we progress through the film, um, you know, by the time we get to Shook's house, then we have more of that color. And, you, and, and, you know, it's just, and then obviously after that, when we go back to Fancy Pants, when she opens her own shop, it's painted in the colors that we've seen and associate with Shug and power, like, you know, yeah. feminine power and, and strength. That, so that, that's, that, that's where the color palette. Yeah, I love that. I loved it because it does flow through the movie and it does it doesn't it's not like in your face, but it's there and it, it, it really is another character, I thought. Just the brightness and even I feel like the lighting 
everything got lighter and like in her world and everything and and that ending scene with the all of the tables and the dinner and everything it's beautifully shot it's a lot of vintage tablecloths there larry <laughs> yeah yeah we did a little quilt collecting for yeah. sure but also just to go back to the color red you know yeah. i think you notice the red and you kind of see it sneak in to the movie but it also if you really kind of put two and two together it sort of sneaks in when suge sneaks in you know so to me it was very symbolic of her passion and i don't mean just like passion from a sexual perspective but just mm -hmm. she had a sort of a, a passion for life for living in a certain way and i think she sort of helped open Celie's eyes with her own sort of passions just to like look at her and think like you're this blank slate and you you don't smile you don't have any joy in your life and she asks her innocently sometimes like well don't you yeah. feel this don't you feel that you know and Celie's kind of like she doesn't even know her husband's name you know so yeah. it's you know, so there's things you just go, Suge brings all that in and she sort of like with this sort of passion for life sort of sheds light and opens doors, you know, for Celie in her mind, obviously, and also then in her in her life, ultimately. Well, the furnishings, too, in Suge's house are so rich, like rich and up. And... and we did that purposefully, you know, and we did it where, you know, if you kind of look around, you'll see, you know, just like little bits of art, African artifacts, the art that we used. We used all, you know, uh, African-American artists that were that were um, were doing works at the time. And so we really wanted to make her be, you know, a little um, traveled, a little more worldly. You know a little she's had exposure to the world she sings she's been in nightclubs she's traveled around the country maybe even abroad we don't really know that but she has had experience that is very it's almost like Celie when she goes to that house it's like she lands on another planet yeah. she just looks around like what the heck you know yeah. oh it's beautiful because she's lived in these she's she's lived her whole life kind of like um like as kind of a visitor in a way she was never really accepted and wanted in her own home by her yeah. who we find out is her stepfather yeah. she lives in mister's house like as a servant yeah almost she never really has a spot and she never has a place and i think suge when she tells her like oh your room is up here yeah she's like never had a room yeah you know had a room. yeah never had a room the we dressed a really good room that we didn't look at too oh. Because <laughs> there was a scene, there was a scene within her room sewing. So you see a little more of her sewing, and it was yeah. a beautiful room. Yeah. It was in that house. But it was a beautifully dressed room, but uh, never made, and never made the final cut, unfortunately. I hate that. I hate that. The color, the color that the, we took that color though, and the color palette, and then transformed it, in, transferred it into the uh, fancy pants when she transformed the general store. So she brought that. Well, she brought that color to to that, and then of course she's in that bright red pants again right. much like show in the bright red outfit sequins and yeah, yeah. feathers uh yeah. the the musical part of it and and making sure obviously you had the music right was there new music i'm i'm so sorry if i don't know but is there was there new songs for this movie that you had to yeah yes yeah um, there were some songs that weren't that didn't make the movie yet because obviously it's not a musical the whole right. way i mean there's musical and drama in there you know it's a music musical drama, I guess. I'm not quite sure how to describe what, what how it is, but so some didn't make it, but, and then others were uh, re-recorded re and re-reworked. Mm -hmm. um, Blitz, Blitz, first and foremost, is a musician before he, before he's like a filmmaker. And I'm obviously at work. You're I don't know who that person is. And, anyway. It'll all be fine, as long as the set's not on fire. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so, so he, but he was adamant, you know, uh, this isn't Broadway, but obviously we're, we're basing a lot of those songs from the Broadway ones. But so he he brought in various experts in particular genres, gospel, um, blues and jazz, you know, for blues, for instance, it was Keb Moe, who's a famous American blues artist and who brought in to consult and rework a bunch of the songs and, and the same for gospel and the same for for the jazz numbers so he, it, it, they were developed and there was there was a few new songs as well um i mean blitz wrote actually one of them which was the working song when harpo's singing when they're building the house oh yeah yeah Pretty simple one uh -huh, you know and they're pounding it's very rhythmic beat when they're banging the ladder i mean banging the hammers and stuff so yes he it was very important to him when i came on we you know he had been working for three months with the writers, the music writers, and and various artists on the studio in the studio, I should say, in Los Angeles, getting the song, the majority of the songs, to a point where he could share them with us. Because when we were 
thinking about how we're going to portray these songs and the dance numbers. And, and Fatima was already on board at the same time as we were, which was uh, the choreographer, Fatima Robinson. So we had early on, we had the music and we had early ideas from her about what she wanted to do. Even before we had some, a lot of the spaces, we knew what kind of moves that she, she oh, that's some right. of the choreography she wanted to do. And then we kind of folded it into the spaces we either found or and or created. You know, dance numbers, um, and I'm not a, an expert really on musicals. I've never done one before, but I mean, there's a lot of really grand right. stage dance you see in films, but ours, I mean, we, we take ourselves out of that, obviously, for our fantasy version songs and things, but, but you know, the movie's still supposed to be grounded in this small world, small town, Georgia, coastal Georgia. So we had, the trick was to try to figure out enough ways to make the dance space interesting enough and and level, levels and props and set dressing that they can interact with, yet still have enough for them to do a really nice performance. It was it was a it was a tricky one, but because Fatima's team was so flexible, they, they were able to you know you know they would rehearse. We would tape out things, but obviously once some of the spaces were smaller than we originally thought we'd get, and but they were able to transform them into those spaces, and I think quite successfully. Oh yeah, I think that's the challenge: is that you, the realism of rooms not being that big. And then have needing space to dance around and have like, okay, we have 16 people in this choreography here. Like, what are we going to do? So I think it's a huge challenge design-wise and decorating for like, well, usually this chair is here. Now, do you want it here? Now, do we move it? Do we, are we losing continuity? Like, I, I feel like it's, it's a big conversation to have, a big big on both sides and it was a challenge as well but like paul said you know fatima was she's amazing to work with and she is um you know it's equivalent of almost like doing a big stunt rehearsal or a big stunt routine especially on this movie because if you notice a lot of the dancers you know there's tremendous physicality that goes into it you know like guys doing flips and yeah jumping off tables and flipping backwards so you have to a have things that can um up, you know withhold you know the stunt work that they're doing and the dance work but you also have to like you don't want to serve the music and the musical part of it and then sacrifice the set so it's kind of striking that balance between the two so Fatima made it easy because she's very flexible and she would kind of you know work with us because we knew we couldn't do this something so huge that it would look ridiculous we right. also know you can't decorate a set and leave it just completely empty for the dance routine so right. a lot of stuff you right. say for in Celie's pants you know i put it on wheels and everything was mobile and they ended up using the stuff you know kind of as um as props like hand right. props for dance routines and you know dance pieces they use the rolling racks and pull them apart and do these reveals and you know it's kind of cool it's a little bit like busby berkeley sort of style like using yeah the scenery as 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 prop as props it's a compliment to you and and the dressing yeah, it was great because like i said they were also great to work with it was never nothing was ever a problem with them which is wonderful you know because then you have somebody who's truly collaborative and and you know she's going to come in and sort of work with us and we work with her i, I was always so eager to give her anything she wanted because a she's lovely and charming and amazingly talented and so it was really a pleasure to sort of like oh here's what i can do and she'd be like great 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 that'll be great and she'd make it work it was great mm -hmm. there's never any problem i mean one time it was a funny thing and paul will probably remember this you know the dance number in the juke joint ended up getting really raucous and really physical and it was like we gotta stand on these tables and i had found all this really junky stuff because the way i was sort of playing the dressing in the juke joint is it was found objects you know the right. Harpo, you know he didn't have you know two coins to rub together so he's just kind of trying to make it work and so i was trying to make the stuff feel realistic like you know just found objects and junky old chairs that were rickety and mm -hmm. things that were probably other people's trash you know that he's going to be like i'm going to make this juke joint and then suddenly they're going you know we have like grown men doing backflips off tables. I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to do a little reinforcement, but it all worked out in the end. And like I said, she's really a trooper and she just kind of goes along with it. And we're like, we'll make it work, we'll make it work. And she did. There is always like, uh, sometimes like, um, can the actor sit on this glass table? And you're like, well, I mean, he could, but yeah. I wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. This one was like, can the actor do like a double axle? Yeah. Table? Like, oh my God. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of little metal angle brackets madly yeah. screwed on. Other things. A lot of angle brackets. brackets. Hidden, hidden reinforcements. That's right. Attached to the floor. We had to lock them down to the floor so they wouldn't the move and stuff like that. Um, the, be the beach scenes, you have a, so much exterior. 
did any um any hurricanes happen when god forbid but did you have like oh my god get the dressings blowing away or like... we were we were actually lucky uh, that okay. way i mean unfortunately there was one day when Celie's up reading her letter she you know she's reading their letter and they, the idea is you know by the way that she's reading these things but she's never been to africa you know we didn't we just consciously chose that we weren't going to cut to scenes of the sisters sister and her kids in africa you know yeah but, but because it's her that. imagination you know what she reads on the page she associates within the environment she's yeah she's grown up or knows right so like the african village was basically next to the, what we call the american village which was the little shacks in the opening mystery mysterious ways number but just next to it so the trees were the same the light was the same but the the village changed into the, what these African huts and everything. And then at the beach, the girls had run around on that beach before. And so when she's reading about landing on the beach and meeting this Ashanti king, being greeted that way, we thought, well, it's a great setting to set it in the same place where she is comfortable with and she recognizes. And so she's walking there reading her letter and she says that she's sitting in the tree like she was as a child, because that's her happy, happy place with her sister. Um, and yet now the trees, when we spin around, those trees are now transformed through CGI. They added leaves and color and some flowers and everything and to make it feel you know, like she's in this magical uh, scene in Africa. Yeah. Um, but no, we did not. But but in that scene, to get back to your question, the scene where she's sitting in the tree, we did all the big stuff with the dancers on a beautiful day. And then the next morning we were supposed to do um, her in the tree for her close-ups. And of course it was pouring rain. We sat in our trailers for forever. The sky was wrong. Like it was just miserable. And Dan had to light it. It was, it was difficult, you know, difficult. <laughs> but that was, that's about the worst, the worst thing we had by the sea we had some pretty crazy rainstorms lightning storms that shut the sh shoot down a few times uh near atlanta that's for mm -hmm. sure did you bring that tree in was that there no 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 that was there i mean wow. when what was scripted was a cliff time you know they're, they're on a cliff looking at the sunrise or something was written in the script when we first read it and i was like i wasn't even on the picture yet i was in i was still in england doing another film and i was like oh, i don't know if there's any from my memory i've been to savannah before and i was like i don't think there's any sort of elevation yeah. So I was Googling around and I was trying to find any interest. I looked at all the beaches online I could find. And I found this one in Jekyll Island called Driftwood Beach. And there was a, there was a picture of this that tree, oh, wow. well, a couple of trees, but that tree on there. And I thought, oh, well, that's that's kind of a ways out of where we were supposed to be shooting, but we're in the right state. So let's go. <laughs> so we went there. Once we saw it, it was beautiful. And there was, we discovered there was more to it than that. Um, it was a little difficult for locations to to let them let us shoot down there because we're not allowed. It's a it's a the reason why those trees are like that is through erosion. The beach is being eroded. So this little grass is encouraged to be native grass is being encouraged to grow back to keep keep the shoreline where it is. And of course, you know, 150 or 200 right. crew members trampling around is not going to be a good idea. So it was all roped off. We had to go through the hoops to get permission, which thankfully, thankfully we got. But we had to be very, very careful about where we went. And we we're very limited about who could go down and what, what equipment we could bring onto the beach. But it was really worth it because the scene's so lovely oh. to be down there with those beautiful beautiful gorgeous shapes yeah yeah whenever they say small footprint you're like oh so that's 60 people yeah yeah plus the dressing plus yeah. you know yeah it's never really a small foot i always feel bad in locations telling people that but um i love that tree i was wondering if it was a design tree because it was so perfect and it's so perfect that yeah. it's sitting there it's so fantastic but yeah, I like how it sort of bookends the movie. You know, you kind of start yeah. in these trees and especially the one on the beach because it's really austere and there's it's they're dead trees, you know, at that point. So to start with this sort of dead tree, it's still it's very symbolic because trees, you know, often symbolize life. And then to end with the big dinner scene around the giant oak, you know, that was just such the tree of life and the family tree of sorts for, you know, for me, for the movie, it just sort of like wrapped it all up really beautifully. And the tree is just yeah, it. The script was written as a the field of lilies so obviously it was mm. written in in mind i think of the you know rolling hill with the color purple flowers all on it and then then this and the wrong table out in the sunshine but of course you know dan laus and our dp would have killed me if i stuck a the final scene out in the broad <laughs> harsh sunlight of georgia <laughs> uh, and i think we should actually i guess we, we didn't shoot that in the full summer thankfully but anyway it would have been pretty harsh to be out there all day long so once we we we're looking for the tree for the beginning, the patty cake scene. And once we found this tree, I was like, oh my God, well, can we not come full circle? She's happy with her sister there. This is where her sister's, well, not unbeknownst to her, her sister's brought back to her at the same place. It should, symbolically, if it was the same place where she was happy, it would be amazing. And then 
you know, we decided, well, instead of this long table, let's do a circular table around this tree trunk and, and be under the canopy like a giant, you know, uh, a parasol to shade us from the sun. And you get the nice dappled light all day long. And then for the really, really big beauty shot, obviously we waited until the sun was in the perfect spot to be it's back at raking through the leaves. It's beautiful. Um, so it was, it was really, it was, you know, it was one of the early, it was, I think it was on the end of our first week that we shot that. And it was just stunning to see. And, and Oprah was there and, and, and it was, it was, it was a really lovely setting. It was a really nice scene. Yeah. It's obviously difficult to shoot the end of the movie at the beginning for the actors and everything, but um, yeah. it was the time we were at the coast and, and it was, it was beautiful for a way to finish up. Um, it was kind of a great way to start though, too. I mean, I thought, because it's like, you know, Paul's saying it's the finale of the movie we're shooting within the first week, but it was very moving, even just on the set i'd probably cried 10 times yeah. every time every time <laughs> i could cry right now tape, i'd be like oh my god i'm like crying on the sideline <laughs> because it's just beautiful and really moving so it was kind of an interesting way to start the movie with the finish but it was also kind of a um it was like having a, a carrot dangled in front of you right. you're like wow this what is really doing? powerful and it's really great and you kind uh, it was that moment i just remember thinking like this movie is going to have some likes and it's going to be really good. I just felt it, you know, because yeah. their performances are amazing. Yeah. They're, they're, so they're subtle, but they're, they're incredibly moving. And then, you know, the scenery, the tree, the quilts, it's like her life's work. And, you know, all of it was just, um, it was just really um, visually beautiful, but also just very spiritually and just humanly beautiful. Yeah. The journey of her life is it's such, it's such a great book. And I think that's why it translates from, movie to musical to musical film like it's so many versions of this woman's life you could just dive into like getting to see suge's house now or like just the exploration of of the characters more in this mm. film just makes i i downloaded the book last night because i do audible i'm like forget it i'm finally gonna read this book <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm yeah. forget it. i'll just cry in my car on the way to work every i day. did it yeah yeah, I, I met Alice Walker one day. Scott Sanders brought her over, oh, and wow. like, I want you to meet Alice. And I just I went up. She said everything is so beautiful, and I kind of approached her to talk to her, and I burst into tears. Oh, I think God. I'm really like psychotic, but <laughs> it was really moving because the book had a huge impact on me. And it's funny, like you're saying, I read it. I'll never forget. I was finishing it, and I was flying somewhere. And I'm in the plane just weeping, you know, and I think the flight attendant was like, are you okay? I'm like, yes, this book. Oh my God, that's <laughs> terrible. Like, it was really an honor to meet her, obviously, as well, but. Oh, that's fantastic. I just, I love the book. I loved the, the first rendition of the movie, and I love this one as well. I think it's just like a nice, refreshing take. And I think that, like you said, there's a little more character development for some of the sort of secondary characters that you you kind of didn't really know, and you get to know a little better. Suge being one, and also um, Harpo. Yeah. You know, you see him that he's kind of becoming this sort of more of a modern man, and he doesn't want to carry on this sort of like uh, abuse and the sort of you know like holding down of women you know i love in the one song where they're they're um building the house and then the women kind of come in at the last minute and are like get out of here yeah. and like take over the side and they're like, okay you know you're not like, you got to keep a woman in her place kind of thing yeah. and i love it's like they're making harpo be a sensitive caring loving man and they had a beautiful passionate relationship you know i think it it obviously took a wrong turn but it's kind of beautiful how it kind of comes back full circle as well the movie's really good about sort of taking you on a journey yeah. with many characters in many situations because the same for Celie, you know she has this rotten lousy life she's you know a, a, has been a victim of incest you know all these things she's never been treated well she's been raped abused beaten but she's like a beautiful person who doesn't hold anything against anyone and she goes full circle and she ends up bringing Mr. back into the fold and saying, you're welcome here, you know? Yeah, it's kind it's, of unbelievable. I mean, I think that's the thing about the story that's just so beautiful because it's about how the human spirit will endure. And it's also, for me, Celia is like the, the epitome of what a Christian should be. Yeah, yeah, turning you know? the other cheek. You just go, she doesn't judge. She just, and she doesn't like hate people. She forgives and she just lets go and she moves on. It, there's a lot of emotion too um with the lighting and the practicals that you have and the shears that you have in the windows and everything um was there a lot of discussion about like can this be thinner can i get shafts here can i like, oh yeah of course yeah. you know and we did you know um 
a decent amount of camera tests. You know, I would bring things to to Paul and we'd show them to Dan. And, you know, Dan also, again, our DP, Dan Lawson, he's also incredibly um, involved and, and, and there's a lot of interaction. So we just show him things and we, you know, hold it up, look at it, be like, oh, that'll be great. You know, or like, you know, say in the pool hall, for instance, you know, that we did the big old vintage wooden blinds because, you know, you break that light across the yeah. wall and just these stripes were, were just like, wow, you know, everything. <laughs> that we did with different laces and different sort of textures and weaves and tones and the pool shades with this amber kind of glowy color. He did a beautiful job of just pushing light around and playing with light and sort of, and really using the sort of Georgia sun as a light source, you know, yeah. because we're in a primitive household in a rural setting, you know, in a time where there was not a, at the beginning, no electricity, ultimately a bit of electricity. So it wasn't a movie that you could just slap lamps everywhere and go, oh, here's where all this light's coming from. So he did a great job of pushing stuff through windows. So the windows were almost like another practical fixture of sorts. So just how we dress them and what yeah. we put on them would allow this sort of like him to play with the light and manipulate the light to make it really beautiful. Yes. And and in her store, too, and how that, that light comes in and everything. And there was a conscious choice between Dan and Blitz, well, all of us, but between those two in particular, to settle in on a heavy, heavy, hot sun blasting through the windows. Generally speaking, through in most of the in most of the interiors, the dining room, keep, the, yeah. keep that, that that feeling of heat and you know, there was sweat on people's faces and things like that. Keep you know, no, you know, it's, it's hot, and just to show that, you know, just to show it with the hot light, basically. The I the dining room is where so many things happen to Seely. I mean, either being beat and put down or being introduced to people, like having to cook and then and then becoming so having strength in that room and having her friends around her. Was that designed? I mean, it's so beautiful, the shot when you get the windows and you get the whole table. Is that at location and you adapted or was that a set? Like, I, I, I don't know what you shot. Was all the interiors a set or did you shoot? some interiors yeah. there yeah, we, yeah well the we, we basically built most of the interiors we built the interior of the juke joint although we did shoot some of the scene in the real juke joint it wasn't it was only marginally bigger the one on set but we were just able to pull walls away for, yeah. for the dance performance and everything the house we built on two levels we had the stairs and all the rooms on the ground floor and the stairs going up and the, the entry to the bedrooms up top but then we built a secondary thing for that above we built the hardware stores of course the various versions and miss seely's pants and then the apartment above the hardware store we also built of course the jail cell and what else did we built there of course the fantasy sets but but no everything was right. the and shugs was a shugs was the big interior location we used um the ale house was a, a practical location off the main street and the barbershop was a practical location i mean i say practical but they were pretty much condemned most of most of them and we had to really refurbish them to get them to be that we can even go in because there was so much mold and problems in that street it was kind of an almost abandoned street but the majority of the interiors were actually on stage um for practical reasons and but but we did have a lot of locations outside yeah i mean the there's, uh, there's so many exterior shots so the street was existing but run down and then you brought it to life and and period and everything wow yeah. that's so much work it was, a, it was a small town you know where the 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 main street would have gone i mean the main street was the main thoroughfare at one time and then the highway probably in the you know the 40s or 50s or 60s or something was put you know a couple of miles three or four miles away and mm -hmm. then the, and then a strip mall goes out there and then the, the downtown just falls apart yeah you know it just it just and so it was just semi-abandoned i mean it was probably what one third occupied if that or, yeah maybe which made it even not even that made it great for us because it gave yeah. us the sort of uh, freedom to do you know whatever we needed to do without completely disrupting someone else someone's business you know right. or right you know or altering their uh their space so the spaces were really raw so we were able to use them almost yeah. like a bath lot in, you know, in some, yeah. some we built out on the inside and used the interior practically and others, you know, we sort of treated it like a back lot and built, you know, sort of like showcase windows that we could dress, you know, like say the hat shop or the, the clothier had a small room in the front where the men's suits were and there was a dress shop we just saw into windows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, and the general store, we kind of only saw what Paul, like maybe 10 feet into it. And then oh, yeah. got it. And the house, like you were asking, that was uh, all the exterior stuff was built, was was done on a location. And then we built the interior completely. We only ever glanced like into the front door and into the back door, 
and we'd just be a few pieces we'd have to do because it didn't really match on the inside. We didn't didn't match. It didn't match. And the other, the other thing is obviously we sh the scene where she spits in Mister's water, old Mister's water cup. You know, walks in, walks from outside. Lead, we come in with her. We matched the front entrance so that we could shoot some of those scenes like that. We were quite careful about what we we knew which scenes we were going to have to use the location for for the interior exterior connection. But and on the back porch. When it was pouring rain that was on the location but we also had the back porch scenes where we were on the stage as well you could shoot the back porch and walk in because we had we had built the back porch basically twice and, and that's sort of the addition on the on the real house um because i knew you know i knew what we needed upstairs downstairs and that didn't a number of things didn't work at the particular location but the setting was perfect down this yeah. remote little road we had we had the place to ourselves it was a really good place to you know because i think like i said it took months to plant all the greens and get all that sorted yeah. out so it was worth adapting a, that location to our purposes. I'd have to say that when I when I saw the house that that you have there, it felt like a match more than the house in the previous film. Like when they show the house, I mean, Shook goes up and it's this big house. It's like yeah. it made no it al has always made no sense to me of like yeah. how did that big house. <laughs> So well, Blitz, Blitz said the same thing. Blitz, Blitz was saying, Blitz, Blitz, when, when we were looking for the house, he said, um, we don't want an antebellum style house. It just is wrong for the thing. You know, when, big, when you said the big front with the big columns yeah. you just described. Yeah. Although most of that movie they played around the back, which was a bit smaller. Right. Which was more appropriate. The porch, I think. Yeah. So that was, that was something. This house is still fairly, if the footprint was actually fairly big still, you know, but it was good for us to shoot in. Um, but it was of a, of a type of a simplistic style of house, a type of house that the typology was not that huge, grand, moneyed house. It was more simple. Yeah. Detailing was very, very simple. The front columns are just square. You know, I mean, it's it's there's no it's a more traditional ornate. farmhouse. Yeah. That's right. There's nothing ornate about it at all. No. And it definitely I felt matched better than previous like in my mind like oh yeah this is what it should be like this is it like and it's so dirty too. I mean, I mean, and it's, that's real. Like, you know, they got dust bowl, like they're in a farm, like it would be really dirty. Yeah, we chose, we chose that, you know, we knew that obviously when Seeley first shows up, it's, it's a rundown mess and it was really great fun for dressing to have it all just a disaster yeah. the chickens flying around and the kitchen was just a, I love the kitchen. Oh, when the kitchen's the best. Kitchen. Such a, such a her, just the, the crazy mess of the kitchen. Um, but, but obviously when we, when we, as we get going and she cleans it up, so they don't have the money to repaint or anything like that, but it can be clean. Right. But the aging, the aging and everything, and the cracks in the walls and the patina of everything from the years of living, basically, still remain and give it character. Because, you know, as Larry said, probably will tell you. I mean, the dressing is fairly sparse. It's Spartan in there. I mean, it's on purpose like that because it's the kind of people and the kind of living they have. It's not. It's not cluttered with a pile of things. So yeah. the walls and things had to have some character as well when they're blank. You know, there's not much on the walls. The um. What was I going to say? It was, I have something. It was interesting when we, when I dressed the house, I dressed it in its um, closer to what would be its sort of ultimate place, you know? So I had yeah. curtains and the, you know, it was kind of done nicely and like, here's what I anticipated getting to. And it was funny because I think for Blitz, he was, he was a little bit surprised. He's like, but it's supposed to be a mess and it looks too nice. I'm like, oh yeah go away for like 20 minutes and then come back and yeah. then we just went and just ransacked everything but it was kind of like i was trying to give him um the opportunity to see it in its in its final state you know so before we you know totally right because it's really hard sometimes when you're doing something like that that has um a sort of uh a, a timeline you know or a sort yeah, of a house a life of its own you know it's, yeah, it's back and forth it, it's wreck and then if you notice every time we kind of go back there's like there's another there's a shade and then there's a sheer and then there's a curtain on top and it's kind of like Celie is like doing her best to make it a home you know and she sews and and I really wanted a lot of the evidence of change to be shown in a way that it was it made sense and it was something that was that was doable you know it's like that Celie could do and she could sew so she you know she'd be able to you know get some fabric make some curtains do things like that 
but you know, it's not like she was going to go in and like, oh, I'm replaster the walls and you know, start like completely doing like carpentry work. So I think it was great that we left most of the house in sort of the condition it was in. The paint outside was kind of chippy and and down. But she just kept bringing in like plants and things she'd planted, and she like put her touch on things in the best way that she could. And then it kind of it still sort of showed you this sort of like transition, and the house became sweeter and more charming, and she made it you know very homelike. Did you have That's a lot of, <laughs> did you have a lot of back and forth, like, okay, messy, clean, like, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah, that and the, locate, the exterior outside. location. Yeah, that was one the biggest one. Location, haul everything off the back yeah. porch. Okay, we're going to shoot in the morning back here. Haul everything back. Yeah. You know, we're always like, well, well, flowers at the front by the, you know, underneath the base of the pillars and things like that. You know, a little rock garden, little rock, not garden, but little yeah. rocks and little pots very very subtle things but but we had to change it all several times back and forth on the day yeah i like when you get that note from the ad yeah we're 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 at this stage tomorrow and you're like oh are you great <laughs> are yeah. You? <laughs> yeah there's a lot of that yeah um yeah. but somehow it all works out isn't that crazy yeah, luckily i have a really really good lead man and crew and they just kind of figure it all out and yeah. make it happen you know it's like uh, this needs to be there tomorrow i'm like great <laughs> i didn't have to like occupy my brain too much with it because brad my lead man's is genius and he'll just handle all of that you know so it's, it's wonderful to have someone like that there is two um i always find in things when you go back and forth you're like Oh, I, I wish I would have done that. Or I wish, oh, I should have brought this in earlier. Did you have things like that where you were like, oh. Me, I might sound like a bit of a jerk, but I, so I've seen the movie twice now and I have, don't have one thing that I regret. Oh, that's doing. fantastic. I, I have one thing from me, not you. It's probably about me too. <laughs> <laughs> When when Mr. Oh, sorry, Mr. Sorry, when Harpo is building his little Harpo and Sophia's house, um, I you know I had my art directors go and hunt down salvage windows, and we 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 got salvaged wood that was already had paint on it and things like that. So when we put it together, I mean we could have painted it like that. We could have made those windows. But why not just get some salvage old windows yeah, and stuff like that works. and put together like they would have done a little more realistic. And they found this one window that was had orange textured glass in it. Well, I thought, oh great, no, that'll probably be nice. It'll give a nice warm blast of color but when every time i see it my eye is drawn it's in a way to me it's too much color in that one little space and i wish i'd at least broken out one paint a window put a clear one in or something just to it looks almost like a gel to me it looks like the dtp yeah. decided to put a gel on the back and it, it it bugs me oh i brought it up with dan the other day and he said oh i've never even noticed I'm like, okay <laughs> it's so funny. One thing i've noticed i noticed that window both times but i actually quite liked it i was like yeah. oh it's kind of great and it does have a maybe you can kind of walk the line that it feels too deliberate, but I think it it was it worked really well. The purpose that it served was great because it did put a glow in there that was wonderful. It was beautiful light when the sun in the morning came through it. And you and I know that it wasn't a trick and it wasn't manipulative. Yeah, see, it was really vintage. Now everyone knows. <laughs> now everyone else knows. Too. Now everyone else knows. I I mean, the, that's it's the hardest thing of like putting all this time and effort and love and passion into something, and when you see it on screen, it's like. Oh, they didn't turn that lampshade or like, you know, like the yes. simplest things that maybe only you guys, you, you know, I mean, I noticed the, the light, but I didn't think twice about it. I just thought that was a choice. They found that. I thought it was great. I thought they found the window and then now it's in there. Well, you know, something different. Okay. What, uh, what is your, what was your favorite set on this film? Larry, you start. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's kind of all of them. No. <laughs> well, you know, I want to say that and sound like another a geek, but <laughs> it it really was. Um, you know, it's got a lot of uh, different sort of vibes and energy. A lot, you know, every set did, and I I really enjoyed all of them. I mean, I loved doing the general store. That was fun, and I have done a general store before in another movie of a similar period. So I kind of already had a bit of a hmm. uh, maybe a a lead on it or a bit of an advantage because I, I had done it. So I kind of knew some of the tricks to do, but it was great. It was fun to do that. And it was also great to do the store in, it also had to span some time and it also had sort of a life of its own because, you know, it kind of, we saw it in its glory when it was a really highly, you know, 
a well-functioning store to the time when, you know, it's kind of been run into the ground and she goes back and it's just kind of half empty and it's just a bit of a mess, you know? So it was kind of fun to be able to give that a life. And then also to be able to take that store and then completely transform it into Celie's pants, you know, yeah. that was great too, because we, I think we really were striving to not completely sort of uh, dismantle the story, wanted it to be very recognizable that it was right. still like a big part of her life and her childhood. So we just really sort of retrofitted everything to like work the fabric racks into what were the the store shelves, you know. And that is, you know, we, we painted the walls just to make it have a sort of a, a more uh, feminine and we brought in that sort of you know sort of rosy dusty rose color that was a little bit of like you know a, a still a, in the red family to kind of give it some life but so that was a fun set to do and I also really loved doing Shug's house you know even though it was quick and we were only in there I think a day or a day and a half you know it was kind of a quickie, but it was great and the street was really fun to do because you know we kind of just looked at those um the shops and we sort of determined together like well we'll make this one of this and that one of that you know because some of that you kind of have to uh, before you make big decisions about what some of the mercantile you know it'll be a mercantile or be this that or the can other I get, you it? Go, get all that <laughs> yeah, stuff, can i get know? it that's a great concept yeah, can i get exactly. it that's always a challenge you know to get stuff that is appropriate looks right that's going to serve the set and make it look really great you know so i mean but like doing the although some of those interiors like the 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 ale house pool hall you know thing to like find i really like i really like the ale house the ale house was a fun one and not that we saw a ton of it because it was at night the barbershop was actually a lovely little set what? the barbershop was cool yeah. yeah we only saw a little piece in the film but the whole in the reflection of the mirror i mean there was some really nice things in there i mean i i, I strange enough there were some sets that are quite beautiful and so simplistic i'm gonna i'm gonna go from a non-set dressing tact for the ones quite complicated obviously to build to build the, the juke joint out in that swamp. We had to drain the swamp a certain amount so we could put swamp mats oh out, drive in the piles and build the sets. And we had to obviously make it from, we had three stages in there. So we went from the biggest to the smallest because once we filled it up, it was easier to subtract than it was yeah. to build. That's one thing. And then the other one, you know, just the idea, we found this waterfall for that dance. It was supposed to be the washerwomen in a creek, but then we we were looking at a mister's house behind that, what, what you see, that waterfall, that mill, that dam for a mill. And, the house didn't work, but I was really intrigued by the waterfall. But of course, there was nothing in the script really about it. And then at some point, and it was in a location that wasn't really next to anything. It wasn't close. To, we only were there for like a day or a half a day or something. And it was an awkward one to get to. But I pushed for it. I said, well, why don't we do it by this creek? It's so beautiful, you know. But of course, that's easy to say, but very difficult to do because they were going to dance under the waterfall. But the, underneath the waterfall, was sometimes eight feet deep, sometimes six feet deep, sometimes three feet deep, one foot deep, rocks, boulders. Right. Moss, slippery, slippery moss. Plus, 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 the water goes up, level goes up and down depending on the rainfall. So we had to, in the end, have divers for safety. We had to grip building underwater. We build these underwater platforms. That was one thing to get it level and just three inches or two and a half or three inches below the water level. And then, of course, they come from the shore to the to the water, and they don't want to break an ankle by stepping between something. So we had to scribe plywood against all the rocks all the way around, and it was like a the idea was super, super simplistic, but the execution was actually fairly complicated. But, but I love it because in the end, it's such a it's such a nice, beautiful. beautiful scene, but people have no clue that it took so much time. Right. And of course, we had to scenic the rock, the, the plywood to look a bit like a smoothened over rocks underneath and everything. And the color was, they corrected the DI because the color changed depending on how much rain there is, the water color changes. So we didn't quite match, and, but they were able to adjust it in post. So. I have to agree. I didn't think it would... I mean, I would think it would be that much that a lot of work, but I didn't think it would be like that, like the platforms and like, or like draining yeah. the swamp and things like that. There's so yeah. much like intricate stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And then, and then from your looking at one waterfall, <laughs> all these people have to, but it works and it was fantastic. And it's a, you know, beautiful scene. So yeah, well, all right, I got to go to work. So, <laughs> I have a meeting at one in five minutes. Yeah. Too, so. um, but thank you guys so much. I really appreciate this time and, and, and talking about the film because it's wonderful. And um, I, you know, hope, hope it's acknowledged. ADG is open voting. So I hope, uh, I hope, uh, I hope I see you there. <laughs> I hope I see you. Yeah. Thanks so much.
interviewing us. Yeah, take care and um, be safe. Happy New Year. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome for that fabulous gift. I am so thankful that I got to talk to them. And I really teared up during this, like talking about, like it's like the, they're real people to me because I have seen this film so many times. So I'm, I'm so glad I got the opportunity to talk about uh, The Color Purple. It's, it's, uh, it's a great, I'm, I'm assuming it's a great book. I'm going to read it. And uh, I'm going to cry every day to work listening to it, I know. But uh, that's, I'll start that in January. Uh, so thank you again to Larry and Paul. Just uh, thank you. And again, in, they're in, they are an influence. I mean, Inception, that is a greatly designed. I mean, he, Larry decorated that. I mean, amongst many other films that they both did, which I forgot to ask if they had worked together before. But I don't think they did. I think this is their first collaboration and everything. Um, well, that's it, folks. That's all, folks. Uh, happy and healthy holidays. To Let's just cheers to a fantastic 2024. And I hope everyone stays happy and healthy through the holiday season. And get ready. Get ready for season seven of Decorating Pages. I have nobody booked. I have no idea what I'm doing, but it's going to be great. It really is. I can, and as I said in the previous episode, I am so thankful for everyone who just discovered this podcast this year. And uh, it's overwhelming in a sense. I'm so glad that people are into this as much as I am because I love it. So thank you. And I hope you got a big old earful this year. I'm Kim Wanup for Decorating Pages. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.